Welcome to the BetUS College Football Show. This is the Tuesday, February 27th edition of the show. I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on all of the socials, at GaryWCE. That's right. There has been a lot happening in the world of college football, and there will continue to be all the way up until the games kick off in August. So we're going to be, you know, popping in periodically to give you guys updates on what you should be paying attention to. Uh, For example... The Bobcats of Texas State, they got a transfer commitment this morning from Sunbelt Offensive Player of the Year, James Madison quarterback Jordan McLeod. Uh, but before we get into too much more, let me go on and bring in the fellas, of course. On the left side of the screen, he is the numerical guru. He's our stats guy, our analyst, if you will, at Stats War on X. He's Parker Fleming. Parker, uh, you had to miss our, our Chiefs 49ers show earlier this month. You know, Kyle and I, we went 8-2 and two on our bets in the big game, but uh well, we're glad to have you back. How are things? Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of pressure to uh, to do well if you guys put up numbers like that. But got to catch some of the uh, podcast form. Good reminder that this comes out in podcast form as well. And listen, you guys certainly appreciate you covering for me in my uh, frankly last minute absence there. But uh, yeah, honor honor and a privilege to be back here. Feels like we're we are officially with this show, kind of turning the page on on twenty three, and and we're here for the looking forward to the twenty twenty four college football season. So feels like the uh, the transfer portal and the postseason realignment makes things just so different than we've seen in the last. You know, I mean, as many years as I've been doing this for, for college football. Yeah. So uh, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of variance, a lot of stuff to dive into to try to figure out what the heck's actually going on. So excited to uh, excited to chat with you dudes today. Excited to start to wade through some of this offseason stuff and figure out, one, just what's happening in college football. And two, how does that help us uh, find and uh, and exploit edges potentially in the market as, as there's a little more asymmetry, a little more uncertainty going into college football this fall? I like that you say a little more uncertainty. It is, uh, it's mayhem. It's mayhem in these streets, Parker. Uh, of course, on the right side of the screen, our award-winning professional handicapper. You guys know him, of course, uh, uh, from this time of year as as part of the BetUS College Basketball Show. Uh, he is at Kyle Hunter Picks on X. Kyle Hunter, Kyle, my brother. We are uh, 178 days away from the first college football game. You got to tell me, has Ohio State done enough? to get you excited about this coming season. Uh, absolutely, especially when you look at how the basketball team's done. You know, I can flip <laughs> the the mode to college football there pretty easily. Um, yeah, it's a, I was looking at, like, how many days is it till the selection show, and now I'm looking at how many days is it till the first college football game. So I'm kind of uh, looking at both of these things here, but back to the uh, college football side of things. Guys, I want to say that, like, I've talked to several in the industry that have done this a lot longer than I, and, like, it used to be a thing where you could go to like July 1st or something like that, or like late June, and then just focus on college football again. You know, you could look at the other sports, the, all the changing and everything that's going on has changed the calendar a lot for what you need to do to prepare for the college football season. That's why I think it's pretty cool that we're going to get to talk about this because the changes, uh, that's where you can get some value starting next season as well, because those changes can be hard for everybody to rate. So uh, looking forward to chatting with you guys about all this. Yeah, if you wait around, uh, if you went through National Signing Day and then you decide to wait around until, you know, late July, early August, uh, you'll have missed things like, for example, uh, Jeff Halfley being gone from Boston College or Sean Ellis uh, being gone from Georgia State. You know, I, there's still coaching hires being done. It, it is it's really a wild time of year, a wild time of year. Uh, Parker, you missed out last time, so I'm going to ask for your help here. Uh, do us a favor, tell everybody how they can help out the show, help out the channel, you know, just help us out. 
Yeah, uh, best way to do that is to subscribe and um, click the little notification bell. Even if you already are here with the show and everything, that just helps us with the algorithm as well. And especially as you know, what's happening right now is uh, as we're kind of dusting off and doing you know a couple shows and and really ramping up for the season, uh, people are deciding where they're going to listen this fall. And so we we hope to uh, this off season be bringing you some good, relevant, and, and important content. Would appreciate you sharing that. And just anyone who wants to know about the show, anyone you thinks an edge um, uh, or, or think think wants. <laughs> an edge or some intelligent discussion about uh, college football, uh, certainly share that with them as well. Go ahead and hit the like button if you're in here as well. Uh, that just helps us a bunch uh, uh, kind of get the numbers up and get the algorithm going. Of course, of course. Parker, you also mentioned earlier you can subscribe to the podcast. Uh, it's the Bet US Football Show. You can help us out there by leaving a nice five-star review. We would really appreciate the support over there as well. Uh, I do want to let everybody know that there are new college football odds up at BetUS right now. Uh, not just to win the national championship or, or who's going to win the Heisman, but very recently, the odds to win the ACC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the SEC were all posted. Uh, and you might see things like, you know, where teams like UCF and NC State, they're a cool like 10 to 1 to win their conferences. Might be something worth checking out. Just saying. Uh, as always, you can make sure and keep an eye on the latest odds over at BetUSTV.com slash odds. Or uh, you can join in on the action at BetUSTV.com slash join. All right, gentlemen, there is a lot to fit into today's show. Let's go ahead and get after it. Let's move to topic number one here. Uh, last week, the College Football Playoff Board of Managers finally approved the change from the 6 plus 6 model, that is six auto bids and six at largest. To the 5 plus 7 uh, model, which is 5 auto bids and 7 at large. Uh, the reason that this took so long to get approved is because at least through the end of the 2025 season, any changes with the CFP have to be unanimously approved, right? Uh, this was being changed because the, the Pac-12 imploded last summer. So there's only four power conferences right now, uh, if you if you want to call all of them power conferences. Uh, Kirk Schultz, the president of Washington State, he was the holdout that kept it from being unanimous initially. Uh, and he basically just tried to get more of a CFP payout for uh, Oregon State and Washington State, the two that are left in the Pac-12 right now. Uh, the rule now is the five highest-ranked conference champions, presumably the SEC, Big Ten, uh, ACC, and Big 12, and then a group of five champion, along with seven at-largest. Uh, so I'm sure some of you are wondering, why are we spending so much time on this? Uh, because if one of the board of managers had voted against the change, we would have two G5 champs in the new 12-team playoff this year, which could have given us some pretty awesome playoff futures odds uh, for teams like Memphis, Boise, Tulane, etc. Kyle, I, I want to start with you on this. From a betting angle, the big payout, I think, might be finding the G5 team that can get into this thing, but there's also the idea of finding the Big 12 team, etc. The odds are certainly going to be different this year since you know we've got 12 teams instead of four uh, how are you looking to tackle betting the playoff futures this season? This is a tough question. I mean, uh, I think there's no perfect answer to this. Obviously, Georgia deserving favorite. Ohio State's going to have a short price there, plus 480. I was looking at this conference odds, Gary. I hadn't seen those, so I was looking at the conference odds once you said that. It makes no sense when you see some of these teams in there. I'm like, wait a minute, they're in the wrong spot. You know, obviously. Like why is uh, Oregon in the Big Ten? What is that? Yeah, it's going to take a while to get used to it. And I'm looking at the Big 12, and I'm like, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. But uh, those are discussions we're going to have plenty of for sure. As far as this, I think like you said, you know, you try to look for the long shot that might be able to get in there, the G5 team. Um, that's going to be kind of threading a needle. I mean, you know, you, you can't just uh, – 
there's not going to be tons of options for something like that. But and the but you do at least too. know, right, that one of the G5 teams sure. is going to be in there. So sure, yeah. yeah. So they at least they at least have the opportunity now, right. where before you know everything had to break for them to be in that spot. And you're sitting there going, this probably doesn't make any sense because you know the big brand names are going to get it. Um, I haven't really put a lot of thought into what I'm going to do with uh, uh, championship futures yet, but I think this is going to be like a kind of discussion exercise that we have here where we can just kind of talk our way through it. Um, so honestly, not something I've really thought about too much. I don't want to bet the futures on favorites way before the season. No way do I want to just lock up that money all that yeah. time. So uh, if I see a great price on some long shot, I would take it early, but otherwise and I'm just going to look through these uh, in the offseason, try to figure out what I think. There there have been some early odds. That the market has put some of them out. You'll see things like Ohio State is minus 1,000 to make the playoff. Like, we have never seen odds like that. Georgia is minus 900, somewhere around there. Uh, it's just, it, it's going to be a big, drastic change. Uh, but, Parker, let's kind of let's kind of change the direction of this conversation, right? The reports about what's going on with the CFP have been... Uh, What's the word that disappointing? Maybe uh, there's been talk of them taking this thing to 14, even possibly 16 going forward, but it's not going to be just the best 12 or 14 or 16 teams. Reportedly the SEC and the big 10 want four auto bids each. And I imagine that's going to mean that the ACC and the big 12 are going to ask for two each. You're still going to have one for the G fives, uh, I guess, to fend off litigation That'll leave three at largest, so that way you can get somebody like Notre Dame in, unless they end up joining a conference. Uh, but there's also, you know, the discourse that all of this could lead to the Big Ten and the SEC just creating their own playoff. I, Parker, I am curious your thoughts on on both what the twelve teamer is going to give us this season, uh, but also what the what the future looks like. And and Kyle, by the way, feel free to hop in here as well. You know, once we get Parker's thoughts. But you know, this is the way things are going is is very interesting. I think. Yeah, so I've I've long time been an advocate, not not even an advocate, a prophet. I'll say a prophet of two things. I think two things are going to happen in college football. One, the SEC is going to abdicate. Um, the, what we're, we're witnessing right now is an agglomeration of talent and power players, and then they're going to abdicate from the NCAA and set up their own postseason how they want to do it. Uh, it just makes too much sense when they can kind of control everything. We, we've taken a big step towards that now. Um, and 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 secondly, I think that I, I've been saying for a long time the SEC just needs to say we're going to have a conference tournament and no rematches and we're going to crown the national champion. And then we can let that winner go play the big 10 if we want to, like, that's fine. I think we end up something like that, something more regional in the, in the conferences there as well would be really exciting. Um, obviously I love the idea of, you know, a, a TCU getting to the Rose bowl or a Boise state or, or a Utah. But uh, you know, at that point, those, those guys are moving up. And if you're, you're going to be able to get to that level um, <clears throat> that I, I, there's just, there's not a lot of incentive for the SEC to say, yes, we'd like to facilitate a, a TV structure where we have to give these guys more money and risk a, a small probability, but a non-zero probability of an embarrassing loss on the national stage. Like there's just no incentive for them for them to do it there. And and more games, as many people have pointed out, I don't know that this is necessarily a knock against it, uh, against the playoff and everything, but more games makes it just that much harder. So I, I ran last week version 0 0.001 of my 2024 projections, just toying with some data saying, okay, all else constant. How do I expect these people to improve? Memphis is my highest rated G5 team. 
think that stands to to reason generally. I've got them about plus three point five net net points, right? And um, that looks like if you just play four average, two two uh, good, two elite teams in the in the playoff there to win the national championship, you're looking at less than. Uh, a hundredth of a, a percent. Uh, just it's very, very small. Uh, if you multiply those out and look at the probability of beating, you know, uh, you got you got basically the first two games would be less than a third. The second two games would be less than a fourth. It's really, really small. It makes it really, really hard as well. So even as they are included and have their way to play in, which I think we play the games for a reason. We obviously don't want to discount someone on a pregame spread. Uh, we we do acknowledge that with these G5 guys, like Kyle said too. Um, Betting this is basically just picking who's going to make it uh, because you're the, like it, it, there's realistically you shouldn't even factor, you know, the probability that they win those playoff games. That should just be a lottery ticket that you can hope to cash out or or bet against and hedge and, and uh, be smart with your with your playoff uh, picks there as you kind of have the sequential journey through the playoffs there. You you brought up the idea of the SEC only playoff and whatnot. And you and I have talked about pods and whatnot before in the past. At some point, some games are going to have to go away, right? Like, we're going to have to either shrink this 12-team playoff down uh, to where they can do, you know, two, I guess, maybe maybe a a four-team SEC playoff that leads into, like, a six-team college football playoff, something like that. Because until they make these athletes employees, you can't keep asking them to play, (laughs) like— All these ridiculous number of games. Uh, We're already looking at where the champ could potentially have to play 17 games in a season. And that is wild. And while we are doing some things with uh, clock changes, etc., I I don't know that they're going to take enough plays out of these games to warrant playing even more games. Right. And the, coaches and players are going to do that themselves, Gary. We're going to see opt-outs at, a, at an alarming rate against, and, and, and even that we're going to see pitch counts. So not only is, you know, so-and-so maybe not going to play against the FBS team and on SOCON Saturday, uh, they're also not going to play against New Mexico State because even if they pull an Auburn and they, they get pantsed and they lose, the playoff field's so big that that's really not going to make or break your season. You'd rather have your star quarterback 100% there than have to deal with, you know, if you're in that tier of, hey, I'm probably not getting a bye in the first round regardless, but I'm pretty sure I can get in if I get to that 9-10 win season. Uh, why would I risk my star players in these games that, that are going to increasingly not matter? Well, especially, it, I mean, as you said, in New Mexico State, etc., these games that probably won't have anything to do with your conference standing if you're in a good position and one you should probably beat new mexico state without your star quarterback anyway but yeah those games are really not going to matter at all and at that point what is the point of playing them other than what you and i have talked about in the past uh and kyle you and i have talked about it as well where they're this is how some of those athletic programs fund their athletics like not just the football program but you know when Alabama pays 100 and, or sorry, 1.7 million or whatever to uh, Middle Tennessee. Well, that funds multiple different sports over in Murfreesboro. Uh, Kyle, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts here. What of, what did you think about you know this potential to expand to 14 to 16? Uh, all the different rumors that are going around with this. I mean, I guess it's just. Uh... Yeah, we just got to this point and now we're already talking about getting to 14 or 16 and, you know, like how far is this going to go? It kind of reminds me of the the uh, big dance, you know, NCAA tournament. It was like, you know, how many teams are we going to we can end up with 100 teams in this? Um, 
you know, I think you guys are right that, you know, you can't just add games endlessly without there being some kind of backlash or some kind of major changes. You know, exactly what those changes mean, you know, I don't know. I think you guys probably have a better idea than I do on that. Um, you know, this is this is something where, uh, you know, it's kind of unprecedented, you know. So, uh, you know, everything that we've seen in college football from 10 or 20 years ago is not going to make sense compared to what's coming in the next 10 or 20 seasons. Um, so, you know, I'm just going to try to adapt and change. And even if I don't like some of those changes, you know, it's what it is. You know, I'm still going to like college football and it is what it is. Uh, we do the best we can. I was kind of looking, just uh, circling back real quick about the point, too, about the the smaller uh, team. You know, like a Boise State is going to be a pick that somebody is going to try to make as far as a smaller team. Uh, Liberty. I mean, Liberty, but are we convinced Liberty could be competitive if they got in there? Because, I mean, they didn't really look like they could be too competitive. So that's going to be the trick here, kind of like Parker was saying, is yes, you can get into those spots, but, you know, what kind of chance are you going to have to win once you get there? So, um, you know, even while you could look pretty brilliant at the time, you say, look, you know, I got the team that was in the playoff. But, you know, if you don't get a great number, it's not going to matter too much. You, uh, you bring up Boise State. That's something I, I didn't have on the list for today, but uh, Dirk Cutter, back as the offensive coordinator, just announced today. Eh, interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. They, they have Bush Hamden for one year, uh, and then he leaves, and now Dirk is back in there. So Boise is uh, going to be interesting this year. Let's, uh, let's move topics. Let's shift over. Again, we got a lot to fit in today. Uh, topic number two, let's talk about the college football video game, right? The most positive story in the sport right now. Uh, and that is the official summer release of the EA Sports College Football video game. Incoming freshmen uh, were six or seven years old when this game was released the last time out. So you've got a whole new generation of fans that are going to get the chance to build their own dynasty, call plays against their friends, and uh, for a lot of them, find out just how difficult it is to stop a triple option offense, right? Uh, there's a lot of news that came out about it last week. Mostly, uh, all 134 FBS teams are going to be in it. Uh, coaches will not be in it. And we're going to have real player name and likenesses uh, that are going to be in this game as well. Uh, before we get to, you know, a little fun, you know, thought experiment, uh, I, I'm going to I'm going to get y'all's thoughts on this game. Like, I want to know whether y'all played the old one, what you think about what you have seen thus far. Uh, Parker, start us off. And then, Kyle, I, I want you to jump in here. Yeah, I mean, I had I had it in the college dorm. We did a uh, I think my very first football power rating was power rating our our NCAA 2014 or I guess it wasn't 14 because I wasn't in college. Yet, but before that, younger than that, 2009 or whatever it was, uh, a football game where I was taking points and touchdowns and garbage time and, and kind of some of that stuff and doing it just for our, our stupid little league where we uh, where we played. So certainly fun. I think it's a good thing to to come back and, 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 and increase general excitement about the sport. I think that what we've seen as kind of the NFL location of the college football sport happens uh, over time and we see people more interested in how does this guy translate to college? Like NCAA football, the video game is kind of a celebration of the absurdity of college football for the sake of college football, uh, which is something I'm very pro. And so like you, what, what I love about this game is that everyone I've heard talking about it is not like, I can't wait to go be the next Alabama NFL quarterback. And that's exciting. They're like, dude, I'm taking Ohio to the freaking natty. That is the first thing I'm doing in my <laughs> dynasty. Um, and so I think that's a lot of fun and, and a net positive for the sport. You know, the economist in me is I did a little back and napkin math about like whether if I was a, a, a 
blue chip player, I would opt in or try to negotiate my deal or see if I could capitalize on the news cycle from opting out, maybe. But um, I, I'm interested to see some of that stuff. But generally, I, I, I'm, I'm very much more a retro bowl guy. I want to pick up the phone and have you know retro bowl and play one game and put it away. I'm not a big video game guy here, so I don't know that when I'll be playing it first. Uh, but I am excited to see it happen. Shout out to the redneck kid on Instagram. I see sometimes who is still playing 2014. He has his dynasty and he's great. He's like, uh, you know, coach wouldn't let me pound the rock, but I'm trying to be a good team. So I'm blocking. And he just shows like, <laughs> blocking in 2014 it's so funny uh i wish i could remember his name but i love that i think it's i think it only increases the off-season content and the fun and absurdity of the sport uh, it, it was a big thing before right it was uh uh big cat over at barstool like he i forget oh Co- coach Diggs, coach dougs whatever it was or Co- yeah that was that was phenomenal over covid kyle what uh what are your thoughts here did, did you uh used to play this thing or what what have you got on it of course, I've logged a lot of hours on this, uh, probably too many. But recently, you know, I wasn't one of the guys that kept playing 2012 or 13 or 14 over and over for many years. But um, I think Denard Robinson was on the last of the of the uh, from 2014. Yeah, a cool cover, even if you are a Buckeyes fan. But, um, you know, this is a thing where, like, for a long while, my son, who's 10, has been asking me, like, why isn't there a college football game? Like, I get the Madden game, but I want a college football game. And I just can't get that into playing the Madden game just because I prefer college football so much more than the NFL. Uh, he's been complaining to me for quite a while. He saw this news and he was all asking me, like, we're getting this right as it first comes out, right? And I'm like, oh, yeah, we are definitely getting this right away. Going dynasty mode, you know, like late July, early August. Uh, but I totally agree with Parker, too. It is so much more fun to take this small team and try to build it up than it is to take the team that's already loaded and just go dynasty mode. It's just uh, it it's what makes the sport fun. And overall, I think, you know, not just me wanting to play it, you know, this will be, I'm not a huge gamer myself either, but college football, I make an exception. Uh, Overall, I think the excitement around college football is going to be pretty exciting. I mean, you think about the excitement buildup before next season based on this compared to what we've had in the past years and all the changes. I feel like, you know, like August, it's going to be pretty hot talking about college football. It's going to be nice. I like it. It's going to be awesome. I am going to be building up uh, Georgia State. I'm going to summon my inner Del McGee here uh, with Jim Chaney as the offensive coordinator, and uh, and I'm going to build Georgia State into a national title contender. I, I'm excited to try the NIL stuff, the transfer portal. Uh, I'm going to use the the custom conference realignment to get these conferences back to how they were in like the early 90s. Uh, that might be kind of difficult with some app states and whatnot, but we will figure that out. We'll figure that out. Parker, you brought up something interesting yesterday regarding player ratings, uh, it, at least in regards to real-world use. Uh, and you, you said something about how it's been used with Madden in the NFL. Uh, give uh, give the viewers a little insight here. What uh, what exactly were you talking about with player ratings? Yeah, this, uh, this offseason is um, really interesting. Uh, I, I was reading this book, Picking Winners, by uh, Kanamoto, I think is his last name. And he was talking just about like edges in the NFL and kind of like the actual mechanics of betting. Um, and I think that overall, uh, he, he says that video game ratings are, are, are a really cool kind of starting point that they can be like, Hey, you don't have to do all this information to synthesize, you know, I know like I'm thinking about Kyle with his points or like the PFF grades and, and doing that. He's saying like, this could be a starting point, like in addition to PFF grades and a way to say like, how good are these teams? I have this information. Somebody has gone through these rosters and rated all of them. Can I incorporate that data? So I mostly geeked out on, um, college football, 
video game just because I think it'd be cool to get the data and look at the ratings and be like, all right, how does this correspond to final point margin and what can it tell us? I'm I'm excited about this, right? Because I so there was the CFB revamped uh, whatever you want to call it, the mod that goes with that NCAA 14 game. And over, you know, when everybody was at home, everybody was quarantined, I would run multiple simulations and see how close that would be to the actual game because those guys would go through and really put in the work to player rate the players. I, I love the idea of doing this. Like, I'm, I'm very excited about it. Kyle, uh, have, you, have you ever tried to use the Madden uh, player ratings to try and, <laughs> try and set a point spread? <laughs> no, I have not, but I'm intrigued by, by this thought. You know, when Parker's talking about this, I'm thinking, like, maybe I need, like, two sets of power ratings just to see how it does. Like, and even test it out for a season. It'd be kind of fun, uh, even if you don't put it out there publicly, to see how it does. And it might help you in the future to be able to say, okay, you know, where do I weight this in as compared to what I've done, especially with all the changes in college football today, like we're talking about, you know, you have to be willing to adapt. So uh, this sounds like uh, it might be extra work for me, but it still sounds like a good time. It's something to uh, to certainly keep up with. Now, it's interesting, though, because yeah. it's public. I mean, everyone theoretically can have it. So, you know, what that what that factors in, what that looks like, obviously, like team ratings or something that Vegas is doing pretty well and uh, they'll have market on top of that. But I do think just from the nerd standpoint of it, like a comprehensive system that's historically been pretty good at rating teams. How can we factor that in? I think that's that would be fun. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't be much of an edge unless nobody else is paying attention to it, in which case. Okay. Okay. But you could use that as a starting point, like you were saying, Parker, to uh, to get to that point. Let's. So Fox jumped in. He said, "Who gets the 99 arm speed tackle grades?" Look, we could go through who are going to be the highest rated players in the game. Like I'm curious who you guys think is going to be the most used quarterback in the game. Like Michael Vick used to be a cheat code in some of these. Uh, Pat White in Rich Rod's West Virginia offense. Like running quarterbacks have always been the cheat codes. So is Jalen Milrow going to be that guy this year? Caden Salter at Liberty uh, Daniels at Kansas. Uh, what, what do you guys think? Kyle, you, uh, you got a, a dude that you think is going to stand out that everybody might think is their favorite this year? And uh, Salter was the first name that came to my mind. I think he'd be pretty fun to play with there. And uh, yeah, you're right. Some of those running quarterbacks were just complete cheat codes. Everything could break down. You just take off and run. It doesn't matter. Uh <laughs> You know, I can't really think off the fly of others that you haven't named here. So maybe Parker will come up with some others. But yeah, Milrow makes a lot of sense too. I mean, you know, he's going to be ultra fast, really shifty. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much the ones I would have said as well. Is Dylan is Dylan Gabriel fast, Parker? Yeah, I think I I, I would qualify him as someone who can move. Yeah, yeah, that that could be interesting. That could be interesting. So Parker, you got a you got any dudes that you think uh, are going to stand out in the game this year? Like guys are going to just love playing with. Um, yeah, well, interesting. Like I, I'm I'm interested again in the problem of like, all right, uh, Travis Hunter is he is he like ninety both ways or is he going to be like ninety eighty? Like what does that look like there? Um, I think about somebody like a J, uh, KJ Jefferson or a Taylor Green who. Um, God love him is not going to not necessarily going to be an NFL quarterback at this current juncture here, but as someone who like in the game, that's who you want. Like, I don't want, I don't want Quinn Ewers sitting back there in the pocket. Uh, or the other one I think about in terms of rushing is like, Will Howard, give me, give me a 90 rated and 85 rated Will Howard. I'm taking Ohio state to the national championship undefeated, blowing everybody out. Right. So like there's some <laughs> of these guys where it's really, really fun. And you know, that in the confines of the game, you can kind of exploit who's going to be some of the highest rated players. Um, another thing that might be useful is linemen 
ratings. Uh, again, they're just going through and looking at some athleticism and doing that. I think that's, again, an area where, especially in college football, we don't have good data and we don't have reliable measures that comprehensively evaluate guys. So like PFF grades are valuable. Can, can this supplement it? Can it, can it take over that? What, what does that look like for how we uh, evaluate offensive lines? That's, I do wonder how they're going to rate this. Like, are they going to come up with a, a deal with PFF maybe to try and grade that? We'll see. We shall see. Let's, uh, let's keep this train moving. We're already 30 minutes into this thing. Uh, <laughs> by the way, anybody that has any questions, uh, Fox or Mike, whoever is in the chat, uh, toss them in. We'll do a Q&A at the end of this thing if there's anything you guys want to talk about. And it could be about any subject, anything. Like, literally, we can talk football, but uh, we're at a fun part of the calendar. Uh, we can talk about this Wendy's dynamic pricing if you guys want to. So <laughs> uh, let's move along. Topic number three, uh, the NCAA injunction, right? Last Friday, courthouse in East Tennessee, we witnessed what could potentially be the final blow to the NCAA's ability to punish schools for, you know, quote, rules violations, at least in regards to NIL and the transfer portal. Uh, the judge was Clifton L. Corker, and he ruled, what a name that is, by the way, uh, ruled that the NCAA has no jurisdiction of NIL uh, recruiting and the transfer portal um, as he granted an injunction that was brought forward by the attorney generals in Tennessee and Virginia. Uh, the part of the decision reads like this. Uh, he said, without the give and take of a free market, student athletes simply have no knowledge of their true NIL value. And per uh, Pete Nakos over at On3, he said the judge also stated uh, the court order was to stop the NCAA from enforcing NIL rules applicable to all recruits and schools in all states. So uh, I know that's a lot of words, right? The long and short of it is this. Uh, the courts have said that the NCAA cannot treat players like employees because, as the NCAA has continued to say, the players are not employees. Uh, this comes on the heels of the NLRB ruling uh, the National Labor Relations Board uh, they're ruling about a month ago that Dartmouth men's basketball players can be considered employees and they've got a right to unionize. Now, there's not been a bunch that's come out of that, uh, but with this latest court ruling against the NCAA, big school collectives are free to negotiate contracts with incoming recruits, uh, guys in the transfer portal, etc. There's not going to be a penalty for this. And if you thought the days of the bag man were the wild, wild west, like you ain't seen nothing yet. Parker, let's start with you on this one. Uh, what were your thoughts when this popped up last Friday afternoon and has anything changed your opinion in the days since? This is just begging for Tommy Tuberville to do something dumb and fit and try to fix it. Like, I, I don't want to get political here or whatever. So, like, keep that in a box. But uh, this is begging Congress to get involved in college football. And I think that's going to be a negative. I would rather the stakeholders in college football uh, who have thought about this, you know, systematically kind of review what they want to do and then, you know, make sure like because we, ha we have a great problem. Everyone, people want to solve it. People want to pay college football players. College football players need to get paid. And the ways that the NCAA has just absolutely abdicated coming up with any kind of comprehensive system to do this for fear of uh, getting stuck with the bill, for fear of getting university presence mad, like they just have not taken the lead on this at all. And so they want to sit back and let Congress do it for them. And, and I think this court loss only expedites it to us there. Um, it, it's absolutely absurd that I, I, I can get a specific example of this that I think is really, really great. Kushan Judkins at Ole Miss, great running back, very good player, transferred to Ohio State, ended up getting paid. So all's well. That's great. But Ole Miss brings in like 10 transfer guys. Judkins peering over the fence and like, whoa, 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 you're only paying me X, but you're paying Y for this guy? Come on, dude. You got to pay me more. And they're saying, eh, 
you're kind of comfortable with that without a contract mechanism on either side. Like that doesn't work. Right. And that's right. not a stable equilibrium. That's not going to be able to, um, you're not going to be able to sustain that at all. And so I think that uh, contracts are a way that we could do this. They could be yearly contracts. They could be multi-year contracts. They could be career contracts. And I think we'll get kind of a two tiered system um, here of, you know, teams saying we're, we're going to, Put out money for blue chips, or we're only going to put out money for transfers, and we're going to bring guys in and 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 you know treat them well and develop them uh, from from high school, but we're not really going to pay for them. There could be other schools that are going to kind of say, hey, we're going to invest what little we do have in kind of swaying that marginal four star instead of saying, hey, don't go to big university where they just want to pay a transfer to come in and take your job. Come here for four years, develop, and go to the NFL, and we'll pay you decently. Uh, I think I think there's going to be some interesting recruiting strategies that are going to uh, bank off of that. But yeah, this whole shadow kind of you know. A business guy who likes the program, likes the university. He's kind of calling the shots. I just don't think. I don't think that's nefarious. I don't. I, like I listened to um, daily, the Daily New York Times Daily a couple weeks ago had a um, had a thing about this, and they were kind of like, "Oh, it's like shadow money and it's nonprofit." I, I don't think it's nefarious. I think it's guys who want to help their university, and it's just such a screwed up system that this is the only way they know how. And so, like, I very much am fine to trust people that are like, "Hey, you have a lot of money. You've managed portfolios your whole life. Like, sure, you can be involved in this. Can we do this in a sensible way? Can we just do this in a consistent way?" Is what I want. What the NCAA wants is Congress to come bail them out and re- keep them getting paid money for for pushing paper across their desk in rant. Yeah. I- that's a good end of the rant. That's a good end of the rant. I, I do think eventually, because the NCAA cannot legally stop this, once these players become employees, whatever that ends up looking like, whether it's uh, guys that are on medical fellowships or whatever, which are, I believe that those are considered both employees and students at the same time. So maybe there's a needle to thread there. Uh, maybe at that point you have the bigger conferences uh, setting their own rules as opposed to the NCAA. I don't think the NCAA is ever going to go away because that's the excuse farm, right? That's things like, uh, like this most recent thing that popped up where the hotels, they, they can no longer be decorated on official visits for recruits. Want to do that anyway? So now they can just yeah. That's, the that's like the um yeah. That's like the photo shoots where they like banned yeah. photo shoots just because coaches are like, this is embarrassing. We don't want to do this anymore. But also, the NCAA can't go away because of the country club sports. The inter- the infrastructure right. for the country club sports is too big. Night report. Go read the night report. We got to separate football and basketball from everything else. Just yes. absolutely have to do it because it doesn't make sense otherwise. Kyle, we we already knew that it was heading down this path. But uh, what are your thoughts on you know the impact that this might have going forward? I mean, it's uh, the NCAA has taken a lot of L's lately, that's for sure. And uh, that's probably not going to stop anytime soon. And, uh, you know, I mean, I won't say Dartmouth. I was thinking about when you brought up Dartmouth. They have not had a good season in college basketball. It's been like 12 (laughs) of their last 13 games have been losses. I'm not saying that has anything to do with it. It's just, uh, you know, the basketball guy in me had to bring that up. They might be a little Uh, focused on something else, right? Maybe I, who Kyle, wait, I can mean, I can I hijack for one second, Kyle? Did you have action on Detroit Mercy being like zero and two hundred and had being a five point favorite the other night? I don't know anything about college basketball, and I saw that I was like, how is this team that is zero and twenty four a five point favorite? And they won by like twenty. It was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah, that, no, I didn't. Uh, I think that was like even below me degenerate wise like there, there was some I mean, that was that was did you see the one man court storming after that game too that was fantastic like one guy runs out of the court that was so. just greg just greg standing on the court yeah fantastic. but uh 
I think the other thing that Parker that kind of scares me is when you started saying like even jokingly like Tommy Tupperville will try to figure this out like anybody in Congress trying to fix this is going to be a super bad idea. I can't think of a single person or a single group in Congress that this was going to be a good idea. So uh, it's a little bit concerning. Uh, you know, like I said, the NCA is going to keep taking these losses uh, in the interim. And, uh, you know, I, I think we know in general what kind of path this is going to lead to, but uh, I don't know exactly how it's going to get there. Let's uh, let's keep this thing rolling. I'm seeing so many different things in the chat here. Team 100 uh, wants to know our thoughts on. He's asked everybody what the thoughts on Oklahoma are this year. We'll uh, we'll do that in the Q and A. So make sure and stick around. Uh, James S is here. Fox Mulder is here. Uh, yeah, we got we got quite a few. Mike is here, of course. You guys are fantastic. We appreciate you joining. Um, if you enjoy the show, help us out. Like the video. Tell your friends about it. Uh, subscribe if you've not already. And, of course, hit that notification bell uh, so you know when we're going live. If you're in the chat and you got a question, like I said, toss it in for Q&A at the end of the show, uh, and we will, we will hit on those. Let's move along. Kyle, I am excited to listen to you talk about this. Um, let's go through some of the, the bigger coaching carousel news that's happened in the past couple of weeks. You and I, on the show uh, right before the big game a few weeks ago, we talked about some of the stuff that had happened there has been stuff that has happened since, uh, and we know that this stuff can certainly have an effect on what the betting markets look like uh, for these teams going into the season. So first off, Bill O'Brien left the Ohio State offensive coordinator position to go be the head coach at Boston College. I don't know how much that changes Boston College's outlook for this season, but I know that what happened in the aftermath at Ohio State could certainly change things for the Buckeyes. Uh, they hired UCLA head coach Chip Kelly to be their new offensive coordinator, and you don't see moves like this very often, but I mean, you got to remember chips built a, a little differently, right? I, I wouldn't exactly turn this into a narrative about the goings on in the sport right now. Um, but you also got to remember, you know, the history between Chip Kelly and Ohio State head coach Ryan Day. Ryan Day played for and started his coaching career under Chip Kelly at New Hampshire in the late 90s, maybe early 2000s. I didn't put the dates down. Um, Parker, I, I know Kyle's got some thoughts here. Uh, so we're we're going to let him go second. You and I both have loved what Kelly has done with the offense with the Bruins over the last few years. Do you expect uh, this, I'm not going to call it an experiment, but do you expect Chip Kelly to work in Columbus? Uh, man, you want to talk about like third base Ryan Day? If you want to be cynical there, you can talk about nobody's been on third base more than having Jim Knowles and Chip Kelly as your coordinators. Having this talent, this money to bring in this class, and having your... Both of your rivals, like one of them is completely stagnant. One of them just ripped their national championship team down to shreds. Buddy, it's it's time. It's the year. Uh, I like Chip Kelly. I think that Kelly's issue was um, in the modern college game, especially at a place like UCLA, which like they were going to fire him and then they kind of got back together. This was a real kind of like high school ex-girlfriend situation with Chip Kelly kind of even staying. And I think UCLA and probably Chip Kelly both regret that it landed this way. I I'm not convinced that I think Kyle should have some opinion on this that, that would be informative. I'm not convinced Bill O'Brien was ever going to actually be the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. That might be too conspiracy, but I think that was like, we've got to hire somebody here and like, we're just going to do this. But like, we know Bill's talking to other jobs. We just need something to get somebody in the building. Like while we do this, uh, maybe he can help us with one specific thing. You know, got you. Hey, Bill O'Brien, do you have a copy of Steve Sarkeesian's playbook that was lying around? Can you just bring that to us and we'll pay you a little <laughs> bit of money and then you go to Boston College? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying anything actually happened. I'm just saying, yeah, you know. But um, I, I think Chip Kelly just um, didn't want to do the whole job. 
which is fine. Like it's hard and it's not fun, but like Chip Kelly is one of the greatest offensive minds we have. And I think much better than uh, unnamed other coaches who I won't specifically throw shade out of imploding and yelling. We have to keep doing it my way and yada, yada, and, and walking out of the building. Chip Kelly just said, dude, I want to coach football. Like recruiting is going to be fine in Ohio state. Yeah. I don't want to do all of this stuff. And so I think, I think he's going to do great in that role. If you think about like the year that he took over UCLA, I mean, that was 2018. And a few years later, they tell him, hey, we're going to the Big Ten. Uh, and, oh, by the way, recruiting is just a small thing now. Now you got to do the portal, and you got to fundraise. And when has Chip Kelly ever been a fundraiser? Uh, yeah, I think, I think it makes perfect sense. Kyle, look, take it away. How are you feeling about Ohio State and, you know, Chip Kelly's fit within that program right now? I mean, you know, I won't go too in-depth about this because I don't want to bore anybody too much. But, <laughs> I mean – Think about how good his running scheme has been every year. Uh, Chip Kelly's teams know how to run the football. What has Ohio State really not been very good at the last few years? They can't run. Their, their offensive line has not been good. Their offensive line coordinator has gotten a lot of heat around here. Not quite as much as the former special teams guy, but uh, probably probably second to him. Uh, I think you know the offensive line is still the single biggest weakness for Ohio State. So we're about to find out if even with that being the single biggest weakness, can Chip Kelly make the running game work really well? I mean, he obviously has tremendous running backs. I mean, even Dallin Hayden, the third string guy, I think is very good. And the top two are fantastic. I mean, I'm more personally as a fan excited about Chip Kelly being there than Bill O'Brien. I think you guys know this. Uh, but, you know, it. It's fair what Parker says. At this point, there is really no excuse for Ryan Day. And I, I like Ryan Day, the person. I think he's done a lot for uh, charities around Columbus. And uh, he and his wife have been good people to help out with mental health and things like that. Uh, you know, outside of his rant against Lou Holtz, which was probably not the best idea ever. But uh, <laughs> I, I do think Ryan Day is a good person. The But it's fair to say Ryan Day was put in a really good situation and at this point, there is literally no excuse. So if they don't have a really good season here, you know, the next uh, season or two, he's going to be under some serious heat. And uh, overall, yeah, I think this is a great, great move for Ohio State. And like I say, I think the biggest thing is, is the offensive line going to hold them back? Or can Chip Kelly work around the fact that the line is still their weakness? It's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. So now let's move over to the UCLA side. Okay. Uh, to replace Chip Kelly, they went and they got their uh, their former running backs coach, Deshaun Foster. Uh, he had just recently taken a job with the NFL's Las Vegas Raiders. And, I mean, the players were ecstatic uh, when he was announced. It doesn't look like they've really lost much to the portal. Granted, that might have something to do with the calendar. A lot of them were already enrolled in school, et cetera, so it is what it is. Uh, but he's an alum of UCLA. He's coached there for what seems like forever. Nobody really knows how well this is going to work, but they did – just add Eric Bieniemy, right? The former Chiefs and Commanders offensive coordinator. Uh, he's going to be their new associate head coach and offensive coordinator. I, again, this is not some outstanding narrative about NFL coaches leaving for college football. So I wouldn't try to, you know, fit Bieniemy's move into that can. Um, and while it seems apparent that he couldn't get an NFL gig this cycle, I do still think this could be really good and really exciting for UCLA. Uh, let me get some thoughts for you guys on on this. Uh, Kyle first, and then Parker. Tell me, tell me what you think about Bienemy and uh, and Foster at UCLA. Well, I, I mean, isn't Foster kind of a, a high variance hire? We don't know exactly. Like he could go either way. It wouldn't Never. shock me if it, 
yeah, if it goes like amazingly, you know, okay. If it goes really badly, it wouldn't surprise me a lot, you know, uh, both ways. Now, Biennemi, I think I think this is the interesting one to me because I've seen it, expl- it explained both ways uh, in the last few days. It's kind of funny. I'm curious to see what you guys would where you would land on this because uh, I've heard people say, "Well, Biennemi helped make Mahomes what he is. He put him on the map. You know, look, he was in this great." Or the other way, Mahomes put Biennemi on the map, which I think I would argue is is probably even more likely because Mahomes is fantastic. I mean, anybody's going to look really good with Mahomes. Now, that's not to say I don't think Biennemi is good. Uh, but but I think it's really overstating it if you say Biennemi made Pat Mahomes what he is. I mean, he is, you know, arguably the best quarterback there's ever been in the NFL already. Uh, so, you know, around Reed and Mahomes, it's a great setup to be in, no doubt. And Biennemi comes in here. I think he's a good play caller. I think he'll do a good job. Uh, UCLA is in a much tougher spot than they have been in the past. They're going to be playing in uh, environments that are difficult, cold weather games. Uh, it's going to be a big change for UCLA. I don't I don't think it sets up terribly easily for UCLA to be one of the teams that's going to be at the top of the league going forward. So uh, it's a big challenge for them. And like I said, I think it's a pretty high variance in general. I do think going into the Big Ten that he's going to recognize a lot of these defenses because I do think a lot of the defenses are are very pro style uh, in the way that they play. So I, I think the enemy could really have an advantage here. Uh, and Parker, I mean, he Eric Bieniemy kind of went all out with that Commanders OC job last year. Uh, Sam Howell had a had pretty good numbers. There were a lot of interceptions, but. He took a lot of chances. That offense was not terrible with them. I think this could be a lot of fun, especially with Ethan Garber coming back. Uh, for having to play a uh, perennial backup uh, NFL guy for his starting quarterback, yeah, they did they did fine for with offensively. I think you coach offense. I think uh, I'm going to draw a pretty narrow fence around that. I think this could be fun. That's that's all I'll say is I think this could be fun. And uh, with being me, I'll say we are not uh, all of us are not what we've done in the past uh, at, at different levels of football. So uh, eternity begins a new each day. And, and I don't think he's a bad person or anything. So uh, I, I think that he uh, I think this could be interesting. I think UCLA has a problem where um, maybe there's not a perfect match between kind of where the program wants the enthusiasm and investment, both metaphorical and literal to be in the program. And so you go out and get guys who are associated with it, who could be fun who could attract fun players and and kind of galvanize the system. So I don't know if they'll be good football-wise, but um, I think that the enemy could certainly, you know, may, maybe being a little bit more of a player's coach than than uh, Chip Kelly, at least in terms of motivation this season, could help them. Uh, stinks to lose more, obviously, but, uh, you know, starting starting fresh there. I mean, their offense last year was was negatively rated, which for a Power 5 team is just just abysmal. I mean, just absolutely awful, and they had a great defense. So if they can, um, if they can kind of balance out, if they could, you know, just say, hey, we're going to get Southern California kids to be excited about playing at UCLA. We're going to run exciting concepts. We're going to develop guys. I think you could do really well there, you know, for, for, for at least a couple years, um, even without winning, looking at their schedule this year, I'm actually not, you know, the most, uh, intimidated. You're going to lose at LSU. You're probably going to lose at Penn state. Uh, but your other away games, Rutgers, Nebraska, um, Washington, who loses a lot and kind of turns over. I, I don't think your away schedule is insane. And then, you know, from the big 10, yeah, you do get, you know, that Penn state, you get Iowa, but, uh, you've got a game against Fresno state stuck in there that you should win at the end of the season. You've got, um, uh, Minnesota, 
coming to you. You've got Indiana coming to you. I, I could see a bowl pretty easily here for just an average offense at UCLA if some of that defense uh, carries over, and they're returning seventy five percent of their defensive production. So I think I think that the odds are you know in their in their favor. I think they've actually got a little bit better of a situation. Obviously, in an ideal world, you would have wished that they had done this in November, and so the guys could have been there for the right. cycle, and they're kind of behind here. Recruiting is not great, but transfer portal, you know, you can you can kind of start over uh, and, and and do their do well there. So this is one of those uh, not a year zero. There are no year zeros anymore, but this is a long term hire. This is saying, hey, we're we're not expecting you to come in and take us to nine and three right now. We're expecting you to win games and increase morale for a couple years consistently. That's and I think they nailed the hire when it comes to that. Mike Mack yep. in the chat, he said it's a great hire, and uh, and he said I'm going to remind you guys about it as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm, optimi- I'm optimistic. Yeah, I think yeah. I think this is a fun hire. I want I don't want you to hire. Well, I shouldn't. <laughs> I was going to say I don't want you to hire Carl <laughs> Durrell, but I know Ben was around there. But uh, but it's like don't don't hire somebody boring. Hire somebody fun. Yeah. Yes, and this is fun. This is fun. Let's uh let's close out today's show. We'll move into topic number five here. Uh, we're going to talk about this. We just spent some time recapping a bit of the coaching carousel, right? Uh, the question that I've got for you two gentlemen is which team's coaching hires. Uh, and or portal additions, have you excited to bet on them this coming season, right? So the guys in the chat, we want to hear from you too on this. So toss in your favorites in the chat. Uh, which team are you excited about, whether it's a coaching change or a transfer portal addition or whatever? I'm going to start us off. Uh, and then we're going to do Parker first, and then we'll do Kyle. Uh, I'm going to start off with Cam Ward transferring to Miami, right? This was rumored forever. They finally got the money situation figured out. I like the OC, Shannon Dawson. Uh just imagine Cam Ward in a Dana Holgerson offense with real, actual talent on the line of scrimmage. Uh, Miami is 5-1 to one to win the ACC at BetUS right now. Uh, their market win total right now is 9.5. Uh, it's juiced to the under. Schedule sets up nicely. They don't have Clemson. Uh, they get Florida State and Virginia Tech at home. I, I, like, I like the Miami situation with Cam Ward because I think they, it, when you bring in a, a high-variance quarterback like that, when everything else around you feels like it's probably built, uh, you you might could see some really, really big things. I think that's going to be a lot of fun down in Coral Gables. Uh, I've got a couple others that I'm going to bring up if you guys don't hit on them. But, Parker, uh, anybody you got your eye on on this one? Uh, I like Del McGee at Georgia State. That just happened. I, I think they wanted somebody who was um, local and kind of invested. And that's not a dig at Sean Elliott. It's a hard job. He had an opportunity to be closer to his wife. I think, remember... He like missed a recruit to go back home for like a high school football game on a Friday or something. You're like, okay, he did I understand where you're every Friday, right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah. I understand where your priorities are. That's fine. Go do that. And so like, great. Awesome. That in the college landscape, a guy like him or a guy like Matt Luke, even Matt Luke can be like, dude, I'm burnt the heck out. I'm getting out of here and I could still come back to coaching later. or I could take a job that's lower stress. Love that. I think that's, um, Absolutely great. Uh, I think Ken Matalolo could be super annoying at, at San Jose State. They have been a solid team, and I, I think they're they're fun. They can move the ball. They've got some talent there. I think the biggest question in terms of movement here is guys um, from staff from there. They were talking about uh, moving Harold Perkins back. I think that was clearly a misstep. I don't know who pushed that, uh, but clearly was off there. The question is. 
how much do I like Garrett Nussmeyer? Like, I think the defense is going to be so much better this year. It was just an absolute mess. They're going to have freaks all over the field on, on defense. Do I feel like the offense is going to crater losing Brian Thomas Jr., Malik Neighbors, um, Garrett Nussmeyer? I think it's going to take a step back, but I think Nussmeyer's got the juice. I think Nussmeyer last year could have started a lot of places and clearly wants to be there. I think they've upgraded both coordinators. This is kind of the all-in. production and explosiveness from last year if they if their defense is just you know a little bit better than average they're they're potentially really really interesting especially if you get a into a 12 team playoff for instance and you have an offense that can just pop off if you're past that threshold of talent man we're talking high variance in some of those games so lsu really interesting with the hires that they've made and having nussmeyer in the tank frankly i think is just exceptional for for kind of their pipeline there I can't believe that you didn't mention the best hire that they made this entire offseason. Mr. Bo Davis from Texas, which I cannot believe that they were able to get him out of Austin. I mean, what he did with that Texas defensive line is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Kyle, uh, what about you? What teams are you really diving into as we prep for the 2024 season? So coaching first, um, uh, we talked about Signetti before. I think that was fantastic hire. I won't go on about that. I was hoping you'd say that. <laughs> uh, I mean, just, just, I feel like I'm driving the bus here, but I mean, if it's, if it ends up not working, I was wrong, but I, it, it would surprise me quite a bit. Uh, Willie Fritz, Houston, really good hire. Fantastic. Uh, I think the difference between uh, Holgo's randomness and you like, you never know what you're going to get. And Fritz's tight ship, consistent results, just massive. Uh, I think he, he Fritz should do well. They plenty, have plenty of money around Houston, certainly. Uh, so I think Houston could be in a good setup. I have to give you an under-the-radar one that I think people are kind of sleeping on a little bit because, you know, I love these. All right, so how about UTEP? Scotty Walden, he did a really good job list. at Austin P. Yeah. I mean, he did a really good job. He has Texas ties. I think UTEP is a spot where you could have success, especially where they're at and who they're playing against right now. Better talent than a decent amount of the conference. Great home field advantage. I think UTEP could get better. Uh, Walden's proven himself in the past. So that's my under-the-radar coaching one. Uh, By the way, Kyle, on that, he's already brought 11 guys with him from Austin P. Eerily like the uh, the G.J. Kinney stuff at Texas State from the year before where he brought a bunch of guys from Incarnate Word. So... Did you know El Paso is like the 22nd biggest city in America too? Like they got, they got some resources down there, man. Like, I think if you want to be there and you can embrace it and kind of fit right, that's actually a super interesting job uh, kind of going forward. I I think they're well positioned to be interesting there for sure. Yeah. Man, Scotty Walden having the uh, uh, body paint on Kyle. I know you saw this for the college basketball game, right? Uh, when they were doing the Don Haskins stuff. So uh, continue on, Kyle, if you got some more. Also, mountains yeah, was, mountains and stadium. Sorry for UTEP. Yeah. Just have to point that out. Mountains from the stadium. Just great. Absolutely. Just love it. Perfect. Perfect. And, you know, home field advantage. And the altitude there is higher than most people realize. So um, portal additions, you know, I'll just kind of lump them in together here. I think Cal kind of quietly put together a nice group. Like, you don't hear people saying too much about them. But Matthews, the wide receiver from Utah, Callaway from Old Dominion, Chandler Rogers, who played pretty well. Uh, you know, I mean, Cal's not going to get the same pub as in Ohio State or Louisville or some of those other big ones, uh, Ole Miss. Uh, but Cal had a good recruiting class or a portal additions. And then I also think South Carolina did a good job uh, in the trenches. They were so bad offensive line, defensive line. They had to get better. I'm not saying South Carolina is going to be great there by any means, but they were so much worse than a lot of the teams they were playing against that I think they uh, – 
filled the need pretty well. Now, nobody has brought up uh, some of these. Here's some other ones I've, I've got my eye on. Uh, UCF bringing in K.J. Jefferson, right, from Arkansas, joining Gus Malzahn's offense. I think that's going to be yeah, incredibly that's, entertaining. That's real U-shaped. That's either going to be, like, awful or amazing. We're talking about probability distribution. There's only two ways that can go, and they are just absolutely the opposite of each other. Oh, yeah. It, it feels very much I'm, – I'm excited about that one the same way I was excited about Donovan Smith going to Houston last year, right? It, it, I, I can foresee a lot of different things, and, and they're either really, really good or really, really bad, and it's going to be crazy. So uh, the other one, Penn State, new offensive coordinator Andy Kotelnicki, right, from uh, Kansas. And, of course, they brought in the new wide receiver Julian Fleming from Ohio State along with uh, some other guys. I'm excited about what that team looks like. Tom, Allen, How much are we going to hear about that, Gary, when Drew Aller throws his first 50-yard touchdown under Andy Kotelnicki? You think, I think about, you know, Kirk Cousins came out yelling like you like that. I want to see James Franklin come out you like that after they do that. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. I, I know that, uh, that Kyle, not super – he don't want to see it happen, especially against Ohio State. But, uh, but yeah, I do think Penn State, this could be interesting, right? It, Some of these coaches don't allow their offensive coordinators to cook. I think Franklin's going to let him do this. So just a a good feeling. We all have action on Penn State last year. I know, Gary, you and I did to varying degrees. I think all three of us did. So maybe we were just, maybe we weren't wrong. We were just early. I think, I think you might be onto something there. Uh, Kyle, you brought up Indiana, right? Kurt Signetti. Uh, But the thing I'm kind of excited about is to see what he does with Curtis Rourke at quarterback. Uh, there's no guarantee that Rourke starts, but uh, that sounds interesting to me. And then, of course, the the last one, you already brought up UTEP, but uh, last one for me, San Diego State. Yeah. I want to see Sean Lewis in that offense uh, with the Aztecs. Like, I, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I don't know what the roster looks like yet. I haven't, you know, I didn't dive into it yet, but I'm going to. Uh, but that Sean Lewis, anywhere he goes, I'm I'm paying attention, right? Paying attention. All right, uh, let's get to the Q&A. Let's see what we got going on in the chat today before we get out of here. Uh, Mike has thrown in a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, we did have somebody ask about Oklahoma a lot, a whole lot. Uh, who was that? Team 100 podcast. Gary, how is uh, Oklahoma Sooners looking this year? And then he said, Parker, how is Oklahoma Sooners looking this year? Um, I, Oklahoma is fine. I'm curious what they're going to do in the trenches. Uh, I'm sure they'll be fine. Jackson Arnold, I'm excited about him. They've got talent. Like this schedule is not easy, right? Like it's not easy in the slightest. How are they going to be able to adjust? Like you've got teams like James Madison that can easily adjust. Can Oklahoma do that? Right? James Madison bumps up from FCS to FBS into maybe the toughest G5 conference. We've seen teams come in and absolutely surprise uh, conferences before, right? Texas A&M came into the SEC in 2012. Had Johnny Manziel, nobody ever seen anything like him. They won 12 games that year. Went 12-2. and two. No, 11-2, and two, whatever it was. So the next year, everybody gets some footage on him, whatever. But everybody's already seen these guys. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious. Parker, what, uh, what have you got on, on Oklahoma? One, I think Oklahoma's football website is down. Uh, I was looking for the schedule, but I pulled it up on FBS schedules. But uh, there's a fun fact for today. Uh, here's a question for Oklahoma. One offensive line, Gary, like you said, four four guys gone, and you're losing two other guys you thought were going to start. So who's going to play? You're bringing in, I think, three transfers who might start, uh, Washington, UNT, and, and Southern Cal guys. So, like, maybe you've got um, 
you know, maybe you've got some some reinforcements coming there, but that's a big question. Ja- Jackson Arnold, I think the bowl game, don't watch that and get, you know, he, he, was, he was forcing some stuff. He, he didn't have full season of reps and all that. I think Jackson Arnold's a dude. I think it's fine. Uh, the question for me is is kind of the defense. You know, they're only returning 44% of production, 62% on offense. Uh, and when you account for Dylan Gabriel being gone, that's pretty great, especially with, with Jackson Arnold there. But with a guy like Brent Venables, who is defensive minded, you you would prefer to have your offense solid and then and then be working on the defense there. Uh, uh, the, the, the big question for Oklahoma is, are you as Oklahoma fans prepared to be nine and three and still be a top 10 team? Because that is extremely on the table here. Um, just with the new schedule. Every big team going forward, though, yeah. right? Because this is absolutely that's that's real. That, have to change. Especially because of the playoff, too. I'll tell you what, like nine and three LSU is going to be five spots ahead of 12 and 0 Memphis every time. Like it's, it's just going to be, the seating is going to change. It's going to be different. Uh, you got a neutral versus Texas. You got to go to Ole Miss. You got to go to Missouri. You got to go to LSU. So nine and three feels pretty good uh, there, especially when you've got Alabama on the schedule as, as well. So you're going to play a lot of good teams. You're going to see a lot of good football, eight and four top 20, top 15 season is just a new reality. It's going to be hard. Maybe you sneak into the playoff and try to win a game, but I think that needs to be the most important thing is calibrating expectations. I have them as a top 15 team going into 2024 with just version zero of these, of these ratings. But uh, I think, uh, can they protect Jackson Arnold? Your defense is going to improve. Um, uh, you brought in some interesting weapons like the Purdue transfer on offense, but uh, you, you just got to realize you're, you're playing a way harder schedule than you ever have. Parker, I was going back through the chat and I said the Clifton L. Corker sounds like an AI generated Southern. <laughs> <laughs> I should have said I that one aloud. I just didn't think of it until we had moved on. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. That is fantastic. Uh, Kyle, you, you got a thought on Oklahoma this year or you you still digging around on the, on the Sooners? I don't. I don't have any, you know, final thoughts or anything. Uh, I, plenty of things could change, but I'm looking at its schedule and I'm thinking, can they get the nine wins? I don't know. That'd be like a really good season. And that's not me disliking Oklahoma. This is a really hard schedule. Yeah. Um, you know, they play Maine, which is kind of their one easy game, and then after that, they have at Missouri, obviously a tough game, uh, home against Alabama, and finish with at LSU. Uh, really, really tough schedule. They, at Ole Miss in there. Uh, the game, I mean, at Auburn, not necessarily an easy game either. So uh, I think uh, Oklahoma will be pretty good on the defensive line. I think they have some depth there on the defensive line, the offensive line, a question mark. I do think Jackson Arnold will, will be very good. So uh, in general, I, I don't know that I'm low on Oklahoma. I just think this is a really, really tough schedule. Oh, yeah. Jackson Arnold is uh, he's good. He's good. Now we just got to figure out the uh, the trenches. Who's going to block for him? Fox jumped in. Fox Mulder. Thoughts on Bama waiting until the portal was closed to announce Grubbs was leaving in order to prevent further attrition. First off, I don't know that there were a lot of guys that were going to be leaving anyway because of the way that the calendar shook out, right? If any of them are going to leave, it was going to be in the spring window anyway. That's April 15th through the 30th. Second, uh, yeah, I mean, these programs are, are kind of dirty. I mean, what do you, what do you want? Like, <laughs> Kyle, you uh, you got an opinion on this? I don't have a strong opinion on this. I mean, obviously, they had plenty of people leave anyways. Alabama's going to pick up plenty of players between now and the season. Uh, I don't think it was that big of a difference. Yeah, I, I agree. Parker, what about you? Any, anything 
was I that mean, just egregious or or would, did it not make that much of a difference? This is a don't hate the player, hate the game situation. I mean, like that's that's what the incentives are, and there's no punishment for it. Why would you intentionally tank yourself to say that you're a good person? I don't know. Yeah, like that's just not what they're gonna do. Uh overall. Shout out to I think I saw, I don't know if you guys saw this. The the grub news was announced because some dude in Seattle was walking at a bar and saw them eating him, was like with the Seattle ownership and took like the grainiest like sideways camera photo and was like, <laughs> that's right, and grub. It's like you took it with a Nokia brick phone. Right? Yeah, like it's I just... love that. I, that's that's journalism in 2024. I absolutely love that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that one, most of the guys had already gone. It wasn't like anyone was necessarily going to bail. But uh, so the constraint might not have bind. Was it bad? And just another example of how like players get the short end of the stick in every situation in college football. Yes, absolutely. Aaron Rod jumped in. He said, uh, super early show. Didn't expect it. Well, that's what we're here for. There you go. We're We're trying to surprise everybody. Uh, but hit that subscribe button and the notification bell so you know when we're doing it again. Uh, he said, what do you expect of the Big Ten with the new additions this year? And my thought process is I expect the Big Ten to not really change a whole lot. I think USC and UCLA and Oregon and Washington are going to adapt to being in that league much more than the rest of the Big Ten is going to shift to whatever it was that the Pac-12 was doing. Uh it's going to be gross, ugly, boring, run the ball, grainy skies, all that kind of football that you have come to expect. You know, old man football with some, you know, some new wrinkles tossed in there from the national title contenders in Ohio State and Michigan and Oregon and Penn State and whatnot, right? I, my expectations of the Big Ten have not really changed all that much uh, for this coming season. Uh, but we shall see. We shall see. Kyle. You, uh, you're a resident Big Ten guy. What are your expectations for the Big Ten this year? I just started thinking about how some of these teams are going to play Iowa for the first time. It's going to be like, what is this? You know, like it's going to be uh, uh, completely foreign to what they've seen in the past. And and that's not necessarily a knock on Iowa. You know, Iowa wins games. Uh, it's just a completely different way of playing football. I think Washington has the toughest um, setup here because Washington was just in the title game. Uh, Fish is a good coach. But they lost a lot, and now they're going to the Big Ten. It's going to be hard for Washington to not drop off a decent amount here this year. I mean, like, it, he could have a very good season and still be a pretty significant drop-off from last year. As far as the other teams, you know, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how some of those uh, West Coast teams play, you know, in the in the wild weather games in November. You know, those are the ones that I'm looking forward to the most. But, uh, you know, Oregon's set up to, to have success whatever conference they're in. So I think Oregon... Uh, becomes, you know, I see they're the second favorite to Ohio State in the Big Ten uh, at that U.S., and I think that makes sense. Barker, what about you? I, I think that that's very much Oregon will shift into being more of a Big Ten team as opposed to anybody else adapting to, to them more so. Uh, at least that's my opinion on it. What do you think here? Yeah, Oregon ran the ball really well and is physical on the offensive and defensive lines uh, to a point that I don't think that the other teams are. I, I have them... I'm not giving out any plays. This is not binding. This is going to change, definitely, because I know I'm changing a couple things. I have them with the most projected regular season wins right now um, in, the, in the nation. I have them power rated high enough, and if their schedule works out pretty decently. I've got USC at 7-ish, Washington about 8 wins, UCLA about 6. So I think, again, it's the same problem as Oklahoma. For everybody, it's not Oregon who's kind of hit with, I mean, just in a great spot with Dylan Gabriel, kind of hit the ground running. You've got some great weapons. Um, uh, but I, I think that you're looking at 
eight and four is not a bad season. Eight and four is actually really good. Your bad season's going to be five and seven now. Your bad season used to be eight and four. Now it's going to be five and seven because you're playing that much more uh, of a difficult schedule. But uh, I mean, what, what's really interesting is like last year is arguably the best top to bottom year in the Pac-12 in history. Um I haven't empirically backed that up with power ratings, but you just look at how deep everyone was. And so those teams moved to two conferences that are, uh, well, uh, some of them moved to the Big 12, which is not top heavy anymore. But uh, the Big 10 has historically been, you know, one of one of three or four teams is going to win it. And everybody else is just kind of hoping they get a shot. There's no divisions. Um, and so we're not going to see, you know, um, uh, Michigan, Purdue, Michigan, Iowa, Michigan, Wisconsin, kind of a uh, uh, big 10 championship game where it's super lopsided just because one team came in. So I think that's good for, for football overall, but I, I don't expect a big drop off from Oregon. And I'm not sure I expect a super big drop off from Washington, USC, um, UCLA that I wouldn't expect. Cause again, I'm accounting for schedule here that I wouldn't expect if for teams that were losing their quarterbacks and coordinators and coaches like they are uh, there. That's a really thoughtful answer to that question. <laughs> you really, you really went in there. I, uh, you can tell when I've done my homework for the show and when I'm just rolling in with a cup of coffee. So, but, but to do your your homework on a question that we didn't even know was coming in is pretty wild. <laughs> I'm ready for college football, Gary. I'm not going to apologize. <laughs> I'm excited. Same, very much so. Uh, let's uh, let's go on and get out of here. We have gone well over. I told you guys I'd get you out of here in less than an hour, and it's been. An hour and eight minutes, and that's what we do is we talk football. I, I did have one more uh, that I wanted to toss out uh, for another team that I've got my eye on. Uh, I want to see Bob Chesney at James Madison. I want to see what that looks like because he's awesome. So, uh, as always, if you've got other questions, toss them in the comments. We're going to be sure to get in there, answer anything that we can, uh, or you can, of course, hit all of us up on Twitter or X or whatever. Uh, of course, make sure keep an eye on the latest odds, betustv.com slash odds, or... Uh, you can join in on the action at betustv.com slash join. Uh, that's going to do it for today's show. We'll be back again in March as we get ready to dive into spring camps, etc. Hit that notification bell when you hit subscribe. That way you know when we go live. And make sure to like the video. Tell your friends about it. All that good stuff. We appreciate you guys and all of your support as we head into our fourth season here on the BetUS College Football Show. We are excited about it. Uh, you can follow the fellas on X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it. Uh, Parker is at Stats of War. Kyle is at Kyle Hunter Picks. And of course, you can follow me at Gary WCE. Yes, if you missed that, I got it back. That's right. We'll talk about that later. Uh, but with that said, for BetUS, where the game begins, God bless college football, and we will see you all again next month.